0: Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So, wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Okay, so we are in this series. We're calling Word of God Speak, and we're in week four. We're learning how to hear God's voice in the Bible. Uh, we believe one of the best ways for somebody to grow spiritually and to learn how to develop their friendship with Jesus is by learning how to read the Bible. Um, if you are new to this or you're just not joining in, we have a Bible reading plan we're doing together as a church. Kids, you could do this too. Parents, you can help your kids read a kid version of the Bible. If they don't have a Bible, we would love to give them one. So parents, what you do is you just point your phone at this QR code, scan it here, or just go in the COH app, And you can uh, become part of the Word of God Speak Part 3 reading plan, which starts in the third quarter. And uh, we are on day 24 today. Now, you don't need to do any catch-up reading. That's one of the big barriers that people have to our Bible reading plan. Oh my gosh, I have so much catching up to do. Don't catch up. It's a guilt-free Bible reading plan. Just jump in on that day. If you miss a day... Don't try to go back and read it. Just read today's passage. That's all you got to do. Okay, so just hop on in. And what we teach people to do is not just to read the Bible, but to engage with it through a practice of journaling and through what we call SOAP, which uh, we, in, your, in a journal, it's S-O-A-P, which you pick a scripture, either a, a small passage that has an idea or one verse or one idea that you you, uh, you journal on. You write a couple observations about it. You write an application of how it applies to your life, not how it applies to your spouse's life, your neighbor's life, your friend's life, how it applies to your life, what it means for you. And you write a little bit of a prayer. And this is kind of what we've been doing in this series is to model for you. Here's how you could kind of do this in sermon format. Um, mine is much smaller. It doesn't take long to do this when you're journaling on your own. When I journal, if it's reading one chapter in the New Testament, I journal, it takes me about 15 minutes. And it's the singular, most life-changing habit anybody can develop in their lives. Because in doing this with the Bible, you learn to tune your ear to the voice of God and you begin to hear God's voice in God's word. There's nothing more powerful than that. So we really commend that to you. So our passage is what we've been doing in this sermon series is we've been taking the passages that we read the week before and if you've been reading along with us, you know what we'll preach on. It's on one of the chapters that we read together as a church. So this past week, we read James chapter 1 through chapter 5 And we began First Peter, and we read the first two chapters of that, and that's seven chapters in one day. The teaching team decided to teach from James chapter 3. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open it up to James chapter 3 now, or your sermon notes on your phone, or however you do that, go ahead and open that up. We'll look at it in just a minute. If you're new to the Bible, let me tell you about the book of James. It's really a letter. It's only five chapters long. You can read the whole thing in 20 minutes, maybe half an hour. It's a shorter book of the Bible. James was written by the brother Of Jesus, or it's actually more accurate to say the half brother of Jesus because he's the natural son of Joseph and Mary. Remember, Jesus Christians believe was conceived by the Holy Spirit and was given birth through Mary. James was conceived by Mary and Joseph together, so he's a half brother of Jesus. Now, that in and of itself, that James is a worshiper. Of Jesus is evidence huge for me in the divinity of Jesus. I love my brother, guys. I love him. It would take a lot for me to say that he's God in human flesh, right? Right? So for James to say that his brother is not only his brother, but he's God in human flesh. Unbelievable. James was not always a follower of his brother, Jesus. In fact, he and his other brothers thought Jesus was crazy until he died and then rose from the dead and it vindicated everything. He said, like, maybe we should listen to him after all. So James is the 20th book of the New Testament. In the Bible, there are 39 books in the Old Testament. There are 27 in the New Testament. This is more towards the end of that. It was written in the year 45 AD. And the main message of the book of James is everyone finish this phrase. Actions speak boom, good job. That's the message of the whole book of James really. James pushes against the notion that Christianity is just a bunch of ideas. Christianity is way more than ideas and it's way more than facts. It's way more than what you believe, even though what you believe is super important. And what you believe will guard your heart and guard your life. So you should guard what you believe very carefully. Don't get your theology from your social media feed. It's more than just what you believe. Yeah, amen, right, for real, holy cow. What we believe, Christianity is what we believe, but it's more than that. It's also what we practice. And this is what we see in the world today. What we practice is different than what we say we believe. That's called hypocrisy. And the world has had it up to here with hypocritical Christians who say one thing and then go and do another. So James is a call-out book for Christians to get our stuff together. So it's what Christianity is, what we believe, it's what we practice, but more than both of these things, Christianity is ultimately about who we are becoming, who we are becoming. The goal of Christianity is not to get you to believe that Jesus rose from the dead and to begin to do what the Bible says. That's a shallow understanding of Christianity. Christianity is meant to transform human beings. Christianity is meant to change lives. Christianity is meant to transform the broken human heart and the broken human condition to transform us into the image of Jesus, to make us Christian means little Christ. You're supposed to become just like Jesus with your actions, your words, and even your thoughts and even your heart. That's the goal of Christianity. We're not trying to make moral good people. Please, that's a shallow goal. We're trying to change the world by uh, infiltrating it with billions of little Christs all over the world. Amen? Amen. That's what's going to change the world. And this is really what James is talking about. It's these three things in cohesion together. What you believe being in alignment with what you practice, and what you practice being in alignment with who you are becoming. So we are going to be in James chapter three, and uh, we're going to read verses 13 through 18. And there's one idea, one observation that we noticed that we journaled off of this week. And I want to see if you can notice it too. So we're not just doing one verse, but there's one idea we're journaling on through all of this. Keep your eyes open for it. See if you can pick it out. Verse 13, it says here, who is wise and understanding among you, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven... It's first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So did you guys see it? Did you see the one thing we're trying to pick on from there? There's one word, one concept that's repeated four times in those six verses. Did you see it? Kids, did you see it? Wisdom. It was wisdom, right? Wisdom is mentioned four times in just these six verses. So if you're journaling on this, this would be your observation. And wow, it talks a lot about wisdom. And one of the ways that we were thinking about this is really this passage answers two main questions, a lot of questions sometimes that grown-ups ask people like me as a pastor. The question they ask is what makes life work? What makes life work? Now, a lot of times, grown-ups, kids don't really ask that a lot. Kids ask who would win in a fight, a lion or a tiger, right? <laughs> Which lion, duh, right? But grown-ups ask questions like, what makes life work? Well, clearly the answer in James is what makes life work? Developing the right kind of wisdom. That's what makes life work. That's what makes life go. That's what gives somebody the good life. If you want your life to work, if you look at the lives of people who have a type of life that you want, and if you look at the lives, not judgmentally, but just observationally of lives of people who seem to be totally falling apart, oftentimes the difference between these two things is wisdom. Like look here in verse 13. It's right at the beginning. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. Not by how loud they are, not by how many posts that they have, not by how opinionated they are, show up by their good life. That's what makes somebody wise. By deeds done in humility, that comes from wisdom. A good life is often fueled by a wise mind and heart. Have you ever thought, what is wisdom? Like, what, what, what is that? Wisdom is different than knowledge. Like, knowledge isn't bad, Knowledge is good, but knowledge is not wisdom. Those are very different things. I know people who are extremely knowledgeable, and I know people who are some of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life who have a profound lack of wisdom. You ever know somebody who is extremely smart, but whose life was completely falling apart? Knowledge does not equal wisdom. Let me, let me illustrate this for you. I saw a t-shirt this week that had this phrase on it. That I think you'll appreciate. It says here so, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Okay? Knowledge is knowing tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in fruit salad. (laughs) Gross. Gross. Yuck, right? So, I began to think about this for myself. I came up with one all on my own. I "I got one. Okay, I got one. I got one. This isn't on a t shirt. But this is just me. Knowledge, I almost got it wrong. Knowledge is knowing that pineapple is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing never to put it on a pizza. (laughs) Jesus is watching if you boo the preacher in church, okay? Also, he said, take the pizza off. Take the pizza off. Think about it. Our society, especially with the dawn of the internet, um, we have more information available to us than any humans who have ever lived. We are uh, in an unprecedented period of having information access. But when you are up to here in information and knowledge, you are in danger of confusing data with truth. Yeah, we have a profound famine of wisdom in our world. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is knowing things. Wisdom is knowing how to apply that knowledge to your life. Just because you know something doesn't mean you know how to apply it to life. And ultimately, here's what I think the most helpful definition I have for wisdom between, the difference between that and knowledge, what we're really going to be talking about the rest of the morning. What is wisdom ultimately? Wisdom, to me, is learning to think like God. Wisdom is learning to think like God. Now that I know about God, I've learned to think like God. That's a huge difference. And when you learn to think like God, you make decisions differently, you act differently, you behave differently, you process your world differently, you see things differently. Wisdom is learning how to think like God. If you learn how to think like God, that's what makes life work. And so that's really our observation from this week. So if we're journaling on this, and then we put application well, then, God, how do you want to apply this to my life? And the teaching team we're thinking about this week, of how does this apply to our lives and to the lives of the people who are going to hear this, um, we think that if you want to grow in wisdom, think about it like classes. I know it's summer. Nobody's going to summer school we're, You know, we're here. We're not doing that. But think about it as classes to learn about wisdom, about how there's a beginner's class to wisdom, an intermediate class to wisdom, and then an advanced class if you want to grow in learning how to think like God. And so with each one of those three, I'm going to share a story from my own life about how um, I've learned to engage with God's wisdom. I'm not saying I've attained God's wisdom. I'm not saying I'm fully there. I've got a lot of stuff that's still in process in my life. But as best as I can just able to illustrate some of these things, I'm just going to open up my own life and share with you guys. Make sense? Cool, great. All right, so what's wisdom's beginner class? Wisdom's beginner class is learning to first open your mind and heart to God, period. So there are a lot of people, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're new to church, maybe you're new to this church, maybe you're new to the idea of Christianity altogether. maybe this is a very different type of church you've ever been a part of, maybe you're watching this online and you're learning to engage in this way. Um, what you have to understand is that wisdom, there's a type of wisdom that comes from God where you learn to think like him that's very different than what you could get from just what's in the world. So let's go back to our passage, uh, James James 3.17. So it says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Forget that we're talking about wisdom from heaven. Don't you think our society needs a way of thinking that's pure, and peace-loving, and considerate, and full of mercy, and good, and full, and impartial, and sincere, and submissive? Holy cow, wouldn't that change everything if our world learned to think that way about each other, Right? We need this society. Even if you don't fully agree with the Jesus thing yet, you can agree, we need this. And the Bible claims this way of thinking actually can come from heaven. And when you learn to open your life to the way of thinking about the world that God has, it can be totally transformative for your life. But you have to open your mind and your heart to be able to hear it first. You have to be open Open-minded, open heart not just to whatever idea the world wants to spill in your brain, which, by the way, you ever heard this, that some people can be so open-minded, your brain will fall out of your head? (laughs) Don't be so open-minded to the world that you have a closed mind towards God. Keep an open mind towards him. And here's the best way that I think is illustrated this in a practical way. One of my all-time favorite Bible verses, it's not inspirational like I painted it on a piece of wood and put it up in my office, but it's functionally one of the verses I've used the most in my entire life. Also comes from James. James chapter one, verse five. says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, which really means if any of you does not know what to do about something. Anybody here not know what to do about something in your life? This verse is for you. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Um, I annoy people with how much I talk about this. My wife just giggled. I annoy people with how much I talk about this. When some people come to me for advice of what they should do, oftentimes the very first thing I'll say is, did you pray about it? All All the time. I ask that all the time, and it becomes annoying because I so much believe in this. And what it, here's what I mean by that. The trick is not asking, God, tell me what to do. The trick is, God, give me wisdom. I want to tell you a story. Story number one. Uh, I was in my senior year at the Florida State University. Yeah, but don't, man, everyone's booing me today. Y'all need to be nice. I'm sick. Be nice to me. So I was in my senior year at the Florida State University. And somehow, uh, I, because of AP classes I'd taken in, in high school, I was on track to graduate early. And that was part of the plan all along, was for me to finish in three and a half years. And, um, and somehow, some way, when I went to the registrar's office, to my academic advisor to do what's called a graduation check. That's where they make sure that you have everything ready before your last semester so you can graduate on time. Well, my final semester, had started as a week until the final semester, and they did my graduation check, and to graduate, you need 120 credit hours, and they went through my academic plan, and I had met with my academic advisor every single semester, and I was on track until right then, in my very last semester, they went, wow, we don't know how we did this. You're going to be on track to have 119 credit hours by the end of the year, and you won't graduate. Dang gum. So I didn't know what to do because option a was always try to graduate from college quickly and then go to seminary to learn how to be a pastor. That was option a, but I was a part of a really thriving campus ministry and campus ministry ruled was like a mega church. We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of college students experiencing Jesus in profound ways. It was a move of God. It was a move of God, and we're a part of it. And that's really the degree I got. I was there to be at that, necessarily to go to classes at Florida State. I'm so grateful for Florida State, don't get me wrong, but still. And so really, the choice was, do I graduate and leave to go learn how to become pastor? Or is this my ticket to delay graduation so I can stay here longer? Which one is it? And they had people... They had people on all sorts of different sides who had lots of very strong opinions telling me what I should do, and I didn't know what to do. And I started praying, God, tell me what to do. And have you ever asked God, tell me what to do, and then you get nothing? Yeah, I got nothing. Until one day, I got mad at God and said, why aren't you talking to me? And I got this impression in my heart. I was like, well, you're asking me the wrong question. I need to learn to quit asking God, tell me what to do. Instead, go back to James 1.5. God said, quit asking me what to do and start asking me for wisdom instead. And so, well, well, okay, then I'll edit my prayers. Fine. <laughs> and I did. I said, God, would you give me wisdom? Teach me how you think about this situation. And he did. And I don't need to give you the nuts and bolts but I didn't do option A of graduate and fast and go to seminary, and I didn't do option B, delay graduation so I could stay. I graduated early, and that freed me up to begin working full-time in the campus ministry. I didn't stay one more semester. I stayed four more years there. And because I stayed there four more years, I was not a super, super, super senior, but because I worked there full-time, and I made the decision with the wisdom that God gave me, I ended up falling in love with Leah. I am marrying the girl of my dreams. When I did go to seminary, there was a scholarship that was almost a full ride for me that did not exist had I gone in 2005. There was brand new married student housing that was given by one generous person who donated like $100 million to my seminary None of that existed if if I would have gone when I thought I should have gone. And by the way, by the fact that I went to seminary when I did four years later with my wife, and then I graduated from there in 2014, there's a church called Community of Hope that needed an associate pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Open your heart and your mind to God and ask him. So, Try this, even if you're an unspiritual person. Maybe you're a spiritual person, but you're not a religious person. You're obviously some sort of degree spiritual if you're watching online today or you're here today. Try this out. Experiment with me about this. If there's an area of your life you don't know what to do, try it. And say, God, the bearded dude told me to ask you to give me wisdom. So would you give me wisdom about this? And watch what happens. Just try it. That's beginning class. Open your heart and your mind to God for wisdom. Here's wisdom's intermediate class. Intermediate class. Wisdom's intermediate class is to learn to begin to apply God's word to the folly-prone areas of my life. Now, the word folly there, people don't really say that a whole lot anymore. Folly is the noun version of foolish. It's the opposite of wisdom. It's the It's the areas of my life, that profound lack of wisdom, the broken areas of my life, the mess up areas of my life, the janky areas of my life. And let's be honest, we all have those places. We're all broken human beings. We're all human, right? I do, you do, everyone has this. And wisdom's intermediate class is not just being open, but it's learning to directly apply what God's word says to the broken areas of my life, strategically. Check this out, verse 14. So we read 13. Here's verse 14. Let's go back to it. It says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Why would anybody boast about that? This is why. Because such wisdom, and this is James being sarcastic here, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and, and demonic. There are people who are online full of teaching and platforming themselves. They're full of bitter envy and selfish ambition, saying, subscribe to me and listen. And he's saying, this is earthly and unspiritual and demonic. Don't do that. Next one. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So there are these broken areas of our lives that if we learn to apply God's wisdom to, it can be transformative to you. All right, story number two. This isn't like a victory story. This is me just being honest with you about my own human brokenness story. I want to tell you about the angriest I'd ever been in my entire life. I'm not naturally an angry person. If I were an animal, I would be a golden retriever. I just would. I just would. If I was a Disney character, I would be Winnie the Pooh. That's that's my personality. Um, But the angriest I'd ever been in my life um, was right around the same time when I was at Florida State and I had a dear friend of mine um, who was uh, just a, who was one of my best friends in high school who um, really just relapsed into drug addiction. And um, you ever see anybody begin to burn their own lives down with their own bad behavior and then they want to burn everyone else's lives down too? Remember this phrase, hurt people hurt people. And I had a friend who was deeply hurting and he wanted to hurt other people, mainly me. Um, this guy who was such a dear friend of mine turned friends against me. He lied about me. He ruined my reputation. He would randomly call me in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., cussing me out, screaming at the top of his lungs. I would pick up in the middle of the night and boom! And so I'd just have to hang up. It was chronically happening. It was, it was just twisted and sick and... Multiple different ways. And um, I heard one day I was driving around town with my mom, and my mom had run into him, and he had been rude and unkind to her, too. Don't mess with my mama. And I got furious. And I was so mad I was driving. I started punching the steering wheel in my car, and I got red in the face, and I scared my mom, y'all. I scared my mama. And I realized I'm being consumed with hate. For this person who I loved, who's ruining their life and trying to ruin mine. And it was a folly-prone area of my heart. And so I began to look for ways to apply this as the medicine to sickness in here. And I'm going to share with you another, one of my all-time most useful verses ever, which is also from James it's James chapter one and uh, it's verses 19 and 20. And I put this on a three by five white card and I carried it in my back pocket and I memorized it for six months and said it to myself multiple times a day from months on end. And it says here, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And here's the stinger. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I broke up with my anger. I broke up with my rage and I broke up with my resentment, even though I had every right to feel that way, in Jesus I have that I have no right to feel that way about anybody. And I said human anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And bit by bit by bit, as I wrote that verse on my heart, not just on a card, God sucked the poison out of my heart. What poison does God need to suck out of your heart? Begin to apply this book and the wisdom in it to the folly-prone areas of your life, and you will learn to think like God thinks. It's intermediate class. You guys have advanced class in you? You ready for one more? Okay. Wisdom's advanced class is this. It's, it's ironic. You would think this is not as advanced as it sounds, but it really is. It's learn to hang out with wise people. Look at this, the last verse in our passage. James 3.18. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That says nothing about wisdom. Wait a minute. Notice this. Peacemakers. That's plural. That's a group of people. Didn't just a couple verses earlier, James said the wisdom that comes from heaven is peace loving. So if these people are peacemakers and it's a group of people who are peacemakers, do you think it's because they've been filled with the wisdom of heaven? Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness and righteousness just means you've learned to live rightly before God. How does life work? By getting the right kind of wisdom. There's a community Here, in these verses. Now, this is said even more clearly through a verse in Proverbs, which is another one of my most used Bible verses ever about wisdom. It's Proverbs here, uh, 13 verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with wise and become wise, for a companion of friend of fools suffers harm. Pretty much, you'll become like whoever your friends are. Uh, We love Dave Ramsey around here. Dave Ramsey has this quote. He says, I can accurately predict who you will be in five years by the types of books that you're reading and by who your friends are. Now, when I think of this verse, um, I think of um, an actual scrapbook that my mom made me. Don't throw up the picture yet, guys. Now, back in the day, before we all had a professional-grade camera in our pockets, when people took pictures, kids, wrap your brains around this. When ki- people took pictures, they had a thing called a camera that you turned on and a lens popped off. And when you pointed the camera, took a picture of somebody and they said, oh, how did the picture turn out? You go, I don't know. I'll tell you in a week. You remember that? You had to go drop off film somewhere and then they would make the pictures and then you could pick up the pictures. If you had a disposable camera, you had to take the picture and then what did you do next? You had to went click, 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 and then you take that and go get pictures, Right. Well, before we could do all this cool digital stuff, and before we could um, have all these awesome companies where we get magnets and pictures and books and all this other stuff, uh, there was a craze in the mid-90s and early 2000s with women called scrapbooking. Was anybody a scrapbooker in here? Yeah, okay. And so my mom made me a scrapbook when I was going off to college. And so anytime I think of Proverbs 13.20, I think of a page from my mom's scrapbook, and it's right here. And so here it is here, he who walks with wise grows wise, Proverbs 13, 20. And so I always think of this Mount Rushmore here, and these are kind of some of the wise people who poured into my life. This is my dad, and this is my grandpa Dave, what a stud. Man, this guy was awesome. This is my martial arts instructor. There's my youth pastor. uh, Another guy, another pastor who's also a part of my martial arts school, my senior pastor from my home church. These were my small group leaders, small group leaders. You're investing kids' lives. You're going to end up somebody's scrapbook one day. But these were my small group leaders growing up. And so not only these are the older men who invested in my life and who walks with wise, grows wise, but that verse is not just getting who are the mentors speaking into your life, but who are your friends? Who are your friends? Adults and kids, who are your friends? Can I show you my lifelong best friends? This is a picture of my friends from when we were in high school. This is the first picture I think I've ever shown in church of me without a beard. Oh, boy. I know. I wonder, if I show a picture of me without a beard in church, does a groundhog go back into a hole for a year of winter? Is is something like that. So these are, these are my, my lifelong best friends, Brett and Jeff. This is our friend, Mark. Uh, really, our, The three of us have had a long-standing friendship forever. This is the oldest picture I could find of the three of us. Um, we became friends when I was in middle school on a bus, on a trip to a camp for youth group. And we bonded not over Jesus, we bonded over Highlander. Anybody remember Highlander? There could be only one, bro, right? We bonded over that. And then we bonded over Bucks football and then we bonded over superhero movies. And then we also bonded over Jesus. And these guys were not just the friends who I had a lot of fun with. They were friends who were open with their lives and their hearts to the wisdom of God. These were friends who were not just interested going to church. These were the friends interested applying God's word to the folly-prone areas of their heart. And so we would ask each other about it. These were the friends who wanted to hold each other accountable to walking in the wisdom of God. In fact, the three of us here, here's a picture of the three of us from Christmas this past year. This is where we all got together and got some chicken wings. That's me may or may not be wearing a Metallica t-shirt. I can't confirm or deny that. But um, this is us getting some chicken wings together. Y'all, God God ended up calling all three of us to be pastors. Isn't that cool? Um, And we've been talking Jesus since 1999. And these guys have just meant the world to me. And because of their friendship, I've grown more in becoming like Jesus as they are growing to become more like Jesus. If you walk together in the same direction, walk with wise and become wise, well, when you get a group of friends walking together who want to walk with Jesus as well, all you all end up becoming like Jesus. Who are your friends? Who are you hanging out with? Will they lead you to become wise? Or are they leading you in a different direction? And what I'm not saying is, Quit being friends with anybody who doesn't go to church. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying become a judgmental jerk. I'm not saying that. But I am saying if you don't yet have friends who are walking the way of Jesus, one, we can help you get some. Come back in August. We're going to talk about community and getting you in a group where you can build friends where you walk with Jesus. And two, if you do have those friends, re-engage with them if you've grown distant with them. Go get some coffee. Go get some wings together. Start talking about Jesus. Start walking together. Amen? Amen. Um, Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite everybody to stand. And so um, here's my question for you. What class is God calling you to do in your growth of wisdom? Is God calling you to just become open And to begin to invite him to speak into your life? Is God calling you to go to the next level to begin to apply his wisdom to the folly-prone areas of your life? Or is he calling you to consider who you're hanging out with in advance? Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. I want you to just take a moment to prayerfully reflect on what you've heard. What does this mean for you? What might God be saying to you? So Jesus, we thank you that you are the God who didn't just create us and then lives off in some distant space just letting us live our lives. You're the one who wants to invest in our lives, who has promised to give us wisdom generously without finding fault. You're the one who's come to change our lives and to teach us how you think about life so that we can make life work. We worship you for that. Would you help us all grow and develop the type of wisdom that comes from heaven that your brother James taught us about? That's peaceable. That's submissive. That's full of mercy. That's sincere. That's pure. Lord, the world needs that and we need that. We ask now that you would teach us how you think so that we can learn to walk in your ways. God, I thank you that uh, that following you and your wisdom is the best way to live life. It doesn't mean that life is perfect or life is without its struggles or its ups and its downs, but in the midst of all of this broken life that we live here on earth, the best way to do it is to follow you and your wisdom. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray blessings over all the kids here today and over all the parents and everyone who's here with us in person and online. Would you touch us with your presence as we go out this week? as we return next week. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. Friends, if you need prayer, there's gonna be a prayer team over here if you need anything, but otherwise, God bless you. We'll see you next week.